For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We are live on the Believe in Monsters podcast right here on the Lounge Room Network. Welcome in to another week of the Believe in Monsters podcast. I'm Joe Gaither with my friends Chris Krogman and Lucas Berry. And we have a very, very special guest on the scene today. And uh, so I'm going to get out of the way real quick after I make the intros. We are the Believe in Monsters podcast on the Lounge Room Network. Uh, you can find us at uh, at Monsters Lounge, uh, and you, you can uh, find my friend Chris Krogman at Shy Bears nineteen eighty five. Uh, that is not the year he was born. Uh, and then uh, you can find Luke Barry at Lberry underscore forty. You can find myself at Joe Gaither six. And our very special guest tonight is none other than Usaid Kushul. You know him on Twitter at Usaid Kushul. Uh, go out and find him. He's been out at a bearish training camp. So I'm going to get out of the way and, and uh, welcome in Usaid Kushul and find out what's been going on at Chicago Bears training camp. Usaid, what's going on? I'm on my man. Not much, man. It's been a crazy day. Um, obviously, we're talking a bit before this, but obviously the Bears had the day off on Monday. So nice to see a couple practices on Tuesday. And then there's some actual action today on Wednesday. Obviously, I've been to camp twice because it's all tickets thing. And like me writing for an accredited website. I mean, unfortunately, I have no idea why, but there's only a limited amount of like media passes and stuff available which also freaking sucks because of covid but i still think it's an interesting time nonetheless because like i talk to people that are obviously at camp every day and i have to say man i mean if you're a bears fan and you well you are a bears fan if you're listening to this podcast nice cat by the way i have a funny black cat story joe about aaron Rodgers that i'll get to sometime in this show but anyways you know yeah if you're a bears fan uh, i have to say i think this team's ready to surprise a hell of a lot of people going into 2021 that's my biggest takeaway what's funny about this having you on is that you are closer to the bears than any of us three who host this bears podcast here because we're all coming from different states but yet you're the only one there actually going to camp and stuff so uh that's why we have to have you on here for the uh, the breaking news you know last time we had you on we we did a mock draft and we mock drafted justin fields to the Bears. so good vibes perhaps good things to come that's yeah, awesome definitely. Definitely good vibes, man. Speaking of the freaking black cat, so you guys know how the whole offseason Bears Twitter pretty much spent the whole offseason convincing themselves that like Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to be back. And this is how bad luck, this is just the bad luck that I have, right? So like I'm pulling out of my driveway one morning, you know, and what happens is I slam on the brake because I just see a freaking black cat like go zoom right across the street and I'm like, what the hell? 
this is obviously for this probably means something bad's gonna happen right because these freaking superstitions and then later that day freaking adam Schefter tweets like two or three hours later hey aaron Rodgers is coming back and i'm like this is exactly my luck this is how much it sucks this stupid black cat no offense to your cat joe and then what ended up happening is like two days later i saw the same black cat just like roaming around the neighborhood and i'm like please don't let this mean something because the last time i saw this stupid cat aaron Rodgers returned that is some that is some really bad luck and i hope you don't see that black cat again during this bear season but before we get started and before i let my co-host tell me how they're doing um I, I just want them to give me my feather and my cap for our little Twitter poll we had last week with uh, Andy Dalton for the fourth round pick. Uh, Twitter did say that they were in favor of what I said they would trade him. I think about 60% agreed with me. So a little feather in my cap there. Joe, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing awesome today, Luke. I'm excited. We got Bears football this week. Like real Bears football that we can watch on your televisions uh i think nfl network will air uh the bears and dolphins preseason game right there at noon on saturday uh so i'm excited i'm, I'm pumped i couldn't be more excited chris uh what, what, what's up with you man how are you tonight he's got a look of disgust in his face that i brought that up <laughs> i'm not gonna talk about it i mean i'm doing great i'm just gonna push forward uh you know, I was thinking about it, Luke. I told you why I thought I was, you know, a little frustrated with the whole conversation. And I think it I narrowed it down to I try to assume, you know, or think about what the Bears are going to do. And I just don't see them trading Dalton, especially for a fourth. You know, if some crazy offer came in uh, for like a first, second or third, I think the Bears would consider it. I don't think the Bears are going to move Dalton for a fourth especially with everything that's going on um, around, you know, the team and the offensive line and just throwing Justin out there behind this makeshift makeshift offensive line, um, you know, no matter how well he's doing in camp, uh, I just don't see that happening. So that was kind of where I was coming from. I, I never saw it happening. Hypothetically, would I take a fourth for Dalton? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, but again, just don't see it happening. Um, but other than that, I am doing fantastic. Uh, excited to have you set on here and talk about uh, camp, talk about some of the uh, questions I've seen on his Twitter that people have asked him and some of his feedback on, you know, the offense and defense and who's excelling. So really pumped up about this episode. Yeah. So while we're talking about the quarterbacks, I'm just going to kick this right over to our man who's been at camp. I mean, this is a question they, they talked about on Hogan Johns, and they they basically said, you know, we're seeing these spectacular plays from Justin Fields, right? People are clipping like one or two throws per practice that are people are like, wow. But overall, I mean, it, do you think that you know from what you've seen, is he ready to just take over this offense right now, or is it kind of just hyped up from those videos we see online? Yeah, I definitely say that he's ready to take off right now because when we look at this entire offense and we look at what Justin's able to bring, we don't look, I put this out on Twitter Monday morning, right, in terms of why you should be focusing more on the mental side of Justin's game compared to the physical side because we know what Justin can do physically. I mean, he's shown it time and time again. He showed it at Ohio State. He's shown it at camp now too. He's a dual-threat quarterback with great arm strength, great decision-making, excellent accuracy. He's able to hit any throw on the field. He Justin himself, I kind of identified this, that a lot of the past concepts in this Bears offense 
sense. And he said this in a press conference that a lot of the past concepts in the Bears offense are very similar to what was being run at Ohio State. So we know what he is physically. Now, really, where I see a lot of Justin's development coming into place and what I've seen at camp, because I've been to a couple practices, is um, the mental side of the game. And I was there on Friday, July 30th. And I could tell you that was the point that was the fourth or fifth practice of camp. And at that point, I was like, okay, so Andy was at that point the better quarterback. But then this past week, and I think going into this week, you know, my big takeaway is that Justin's been the better quarterback, and it's because we're seeing it's the mental side of the game that's finally clicking for him. I mean, look, he came into the league, and, you know, his first homework assignment was just do something basic, learn how to call a play into a huddle, right? And then all of a sudden after that, he masters that. And now Matt Nagy's talking about, how, hey, Justin, let's focus on the mental side of the game and talk about your decision making you know your what you your decision making post now what are the blitzes and the coverages and the disguises that are going to be thrown at you today Matt Nagy actually mentioned he's just like look I want Justin to be able to after the snap is taken and the ball's in Justin's hands and the play is live I want Justin to be able to look at the safety and look at what the uh safeties are doing right and so ultimately those are the things that I'm seeing from Justin so I do think that as Justin kind of, um, you know, as we get into preseason here, what we're going to see more and more of is Justin's going to make a serious push for QB1 and to be the opening day starter. And quite frankly, if you're Matt Nagy and you're Ryan Pace, you're the rest of the Bears front office and the coaching staff, um, you know, what it is is this, right, is – and you're, and then you're this Bears defense too, right? Can you, if you're Pace and Nagy, can you really look at this Bears defense like a Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, say Eddie Jackson or Roquan Smith that have really held the fourth down since 2018? Can you look at them and confidently say, "Hey, Andy's going to be QB one," or are you just going to roll with Justin because you know that Justin gives you the best chance to win? And I've said this all offseason. I'm going to say it again: the Bears committed to Andy Dalton, not knowing that they were going to fall or that they were going to get Justin Fields at 11th overall, or that Justin was going to fall to them. And the Bears have said five times this offseason, and yes, I've been keeping count. That's a little bit of a side note. They've been keeping count of, or they've said five times that Andy's going to be the starter, but they haven't said this is how long Andy's going to be the starter for. And I think that it's the NFL. Things are going to change within an instant, right? At the end of the day, you go with the guy that's going to give you the best chance to win. And if you're Pace and Nagy, by the way, I talk to people in the national media all the time, and they tell me that, um, you know, the Bears regime, Pace and Nagy, they've only got a year left. But then I talk to people here in Chicago, like I was talking to, I actually had Caitlin Sharkey on my show about two months ago, who covers the Bears for Fox 32. You know, one of the things that she believes is that um, the Bears and Pace and Nagy, they're legitimately on like a new two to three year window as a result of Justin being here. So the point is, is that if you're Pace and Nagy, you know your time is shorter than most people would expect and you can't really afford to lose. So you need to throw the rookie in there to show ownership, hey, look at this, what this guy was able to do. This is where he's at right now and this is where we anticipate it going. Who said that is great news to hear. I mean, all positives about Justin Fields and, you know, kind of his progression and everything I've seen, you know, mirrors that exactly uh, in seeing his his mental advancement and understanding of the offense. And it is so refreshing to have a QB in here that the coach isn't talking about, you know, level 101 and level 2. 
spoon. It's like, nah, bro, he's already there. He's already uh, teaching the class. So, um, you know, we heard about him correcting guys in minicamp and OTA is already kind of grasping the offense. And now he's already excelling into, you know, pre-snap reads to post-snap plays. And it's it's really exciting time to be a Bears fan and finally have a, you know, a franchise quarterback we can look up to. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you've seen from, you know, Andy Dalton's presence, his, um, you know, his leadership within the offense, um, how he's, you know, kind of disseminating his uh, veteran leadership to Justin and a little bit, you know, about QB3 and how he has helped with uh, the mental reps, because I remember last year you know Foles talked a lot about mental reps and how important they were and how much he was doing them when you know mitch was on the field and um i thought you know something i brought up uh was that you know that is something that Foles does bring to the table for fields is that he can kind of teach him that level of mental reps in um in his preparation so kind of give us a, a rundown of you know the other two quarterbacks yeah, okay, so first things first, um, and I said this on my own podcast, the Fireside Bears podcast, that Nick Foles is absolutely freaking worthless, and we all knew that, obviously, with the presence of Fields and Andy Dalton, and I'll get to Andy in a moment here, but what makes Nick Foles even more freaking worthless, and this is just going to be me completely laying into him, is that if you remember that press conference last week, the first time we hear from him pretty much since he was a starter last year and the Bears went two and five. The first time we hear from this guy, he comes out and, you know, everyone's talking about, oh, my God, he's fired up and he's there and he's praising, you know, Nick's praising Frank Reich. But the most interesting thing about that entire press conference for me was when he mentioned, yeah, I'm in the best shape of my life and I'm a better version of myself than I was four years ago when I won the Super Bowl. Now, I find it to be so damn interesting because the reality is that you can't say something like that and then come out and stink it up on the practice field because Foles is throwing what, like six interceptions, I think, in within like a three-day span. So it's just like like Nick at this point, you know, and I talked to other beat writers around the NFL and, you know, a Jets beat writer told me that there's not a veteran quarterback on the Jets roster right now and they're not going to trade for one until they get the feeling that – um you know, unless they get the feeling that Zach Wilson legitimately isn't ready. So Nick Foles is still dangling out there by a thread as a possible trade chip candidate. Um, but then, or I should say as a possible trade asset, not that the return on him is going to be anything significant, but this team needs picks anyway, because they have like, what, five or six going into 2022 with no first or fourth round pick because of Justin Fields. But you know, getting back on topic here, when it comes to Andy, Andy, I think when the Bears talked about, hey, we want to get better at the quarterback position, and we felt like we did that when they signed Andy Dalton, um, that right there, I have to say it was a very true statement by Ryan Pace because Andy holds guys accountable. Andy himself has straight up just said, like, there's not any of this, hey, you need to know the offense. It's you better know the – it's not you have to know or you need to know the offense. It's no, you better know the offense, meaning he's going to hold you accountable. He's going to kind of bust your ass if you're not doing what the hell you're supposed to. And he's going to leave in such a way that Bears, Bears fans are just not accustomed to seeing, which is really positive because – Andy Dalton's never won a playoff game, but hey, you know, when he got into the league, he had what I think five or six straight years of just straight up winning seasons, you know, where at least Cincinnati was in the playoffs every single year. And then you add in the factor that Andy's built chemistry very quickly with guys like Robinson and Mooney and 
Matt Nagy's mentioned Andy's ability to throw his receivers open with really good anticipation and timing of throws. Hey, you are seeing that. I mean, I was at practice, you know, when I was at practice on Friday, there were two key throws that stuck out to me and both were made by Andy. So one of them was a leaping grab to Darnell Mooney over Jalen Johnson. And then the other one was a post route to the end zone where Andy placed the ball perfectly and Darnell Mooney was actually in stride and went up and got it. And so the point is, is that if the, look, the added dimension that Justin brings that Andy doesn't is that four four forty yard dash time as well as the mobility, right? But I think that if Andy does start week one, what will happen is, and this offensive line is pretty good, you're going to be in a situation where Andy Dalton isn't the flashiest quarterback on the planet, but he technically is smarter than guys like Nick Foles and, you know, Mitch Trubisky. That's just a reality. But Andy's been doing really solid as well. And so right now I have to say when it comes to the entire quarterback room, whether you're talking about Justin or Andy, the entire arrow just seems to be pointing up. Well, yeah, we uh, we love to see that from the quarterback room. The arrows pointing up, and uh, those are, I mean, whether we're going with Dalton or Fields, it sounds like uh, we're doing pretty good at the quarterback position. A place where we're not doing so hot, uh, Usaid, and some and a place you can help me out here is the offensive line and Tevin Jenkins. Uh, we're uh, kind of getting concerned here. Last week we had a little debate. Uh, we, actually, the last two weeks we kind of debated about cutting Charles Leno and uh, whether that was the smartest thing to do if we knew that uh, Tevin Jenkins was injured heading into the NFL draft, and that's maybe why he slid down the draft boards. Say, what can you tell me about uh, about his progress? And he he missed what eleven straight practices now, twelve straight practices now. Uh, are we going to see him in some sort of practice capacity prior to to the Dolphins preseason game? Or or I mean, I'm I'm obviously not expecting him to play much in that or to see him at all. Like, what's his timeline? And are we worried about it? Uh, not only him, the rest of the offensive line. Yes, Lou. Well, I was just going to say, people also said they saw this guy pulling a golf cart and yes, pushing yes, a sled yes. off Walter Payton Hill. So like in between his rehab, he was doing this and then he possibly had a setback. So I just want to add that in there. Like this isn't like he's been missed 11, like he's missed 11 straight practices, but in between like he was seen doing some strenuous workouts, like pulling a golf cart and pushing a sled up a giant hill. That's what they said. Uh, yeah. But I, I will, yeah, I will let say take this away. Yeah, so Tevin's interesting because the times that I've been there, I've have two things have happened. One, I haven't freaking seen him at all. Or two, there's always that kind of area on the side where you see players working out. You know, I saw Eddie Jackson, Jermaine Ifedi, and Tariq Cohen one day. Um, I haven't seen Tevin working out on the side yet, but then the most recent time that I was there, I did actually see Tevin dressed up like he was getting ready to practice but he didn't have a helmet which means he wasn't practicing and he had his glasses on and so naturally he was a player that um at that point was just kind of hanging around the rest of the offensive linemen to continuously get those mental reps and you know we talk i don't think it's back tightness at this point because the bears are gonna listen the bears are gonna lie to your faces all the time about injuries i mean i remember two years ago being down there in bourbon a for every single day of camp and hearing matt nagy say oh yeah well you know trey had the offseason surgery and we're taking it easy with him he should be back any day now we're easing him in and then what happened well trey ended up playing pretty much one game and missed the entire season 
a lot of the same thing I feel like is going on here. Now, granted, Tevin has not had surgery yet. Let me say that. I don't know. Maybe the Bears medical staff, you know, and trainer Andre Tucker completely messes something up. And then all of a sudden Tevin's going in for surgery. But it is still concerning because, again, you know, when you, you this goes back all the way to April, I'm in that pace naggy post draft presser. And one of the things talked about was, okay, well, what is Tevin Jenkins future with this team going to look like? Is he going to stay at right tackle? Is he going to compete with Jermaine Ifedi, who the team re-signed this offseason for $5 million a year? Or is Tevin possibly going to shift over to the left side of the offensive line? Because Tevin did play every single position at Oklahoma State besides center. And Tevin's a very team-oriented player, so he's naturally going to play wherever the team puts him. But, you know, Pace was asked about Charles Leno Jr., and Pace didn't even necessarily commit to what would be happening. And then all of a sudden... Um, you know, two days later, I was just like, you know, or I tweeted this when Pace made the, I'm not going to comment on Charles Leno Jr. thing, or we're going to see, we still got decisions that are in the works here. Two days later, the Bears released Charles Leno Jr., which at that point solidified that Tevin was going to be playing, um, left tackle for the Bears. And I would definitely say, you know, it's just, are we, should we be concerned at this point? Like, uh, are are we at the point where we need to go out and sign somebody? Like what's the deal? So, yeah, that's an excellent question right there, Joe. And my whole thing is, this is the Bears. I don't see that they're going to sign anyone. Okay. I don't see that they're going to sign a Russell Okun or a Ricky Wagner, a significantly older veteran. What will happen is this is they're going to, and this team does this all the time too, right? Is they completely hold out until the very last minute. And then when vets are getting cut in the last week of August, they're going to hope that there's a surprise cut there or a guy that falls. And then the bears are going to go ahead and sign that player. I mean, it happened what five years ago with Josh Sitton, five or six years ago, back in 2016 with Josh Sitton, where everyone kind of felt like we really don't need an upgrade on the offensive line. Cause we're set. And at that point, you know what? It was a fair point to make because you had Kyle long going into his fifth season. And then you had a young emerging guard and Cody white here, Charles Leno jr. Was going into year three or four. And then the bears had also just signed Bobby Massey that off season. So they were good vibes. But then when Josh Sitton got cut, it was like, okay, now we have an opportunity to upgrade. And so what's going to happen this time around is I think that they're just going to hold out till the very last minute because they're, is it's just what the bears essentially do i mean ryan pace is going to make sure that he goes all in on plan a which is tevin jenkins until he himself has to acknowledge plan a is not going to work anymore and side note by the way this has actually been floated out there um larry borm and elijah wilkinson have been players that have been getting some time at um left tackle in wake of the tevin jenkins injury yeah, I've seen a little bit of that who said as well. And um, I posed this a little bit earlier to Lucas and some some other guys in the chat. Uh, you know, if we see, you know, everybody basically get healthy, like Wilkinson and Borum and, and all these guys come back healthy, you know, get some reps, get some time in the preseason, you know, it, it will we see Pace pull the trigger and, you know, hit the panic button or whatever and sign a tackle? And I think you nailed it. You know, this is this is their M.O. This is kind of what they do as far as waiting and waiting and waiting until, you know, either the last minute or they don't do anything at all. You know, you know, pushing all your ships in on, on plan A is exactly what Ryan Pace has shown us. 
Um, you know, whether or not we would do that as fans or, you know, Twitter GMs is a whole nother story. Uh, but it, it is a little concerning. Um, but it is kind of nice to see some of these guys get some reps at other positions and potentially, you know, find a diamond in the rough like we like we did last year with Mustafer and Bars. Uh, can you speak a little bit to what you've seen about uh, Borum and, and Wilkinson on that left tackle spot? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we have to keep one thing in mind is that Elijah Wilkinson played right tackle in Denver last year. And Larry Borum's a player that traditionally played right guard and right tackle coming out of Mizzou. So this right here, it's a relatively it's a relatively new position for both of these guys. And I would say right now, not a between Wilkinson and Borum, none of these guys have kind of separated themselves from the competition because, again, we're in week three of camp out, and this is typically the time where we see players start to separate themselves. Now, 50% of the problem is that when you're going up against your own defense and you're blocking against Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and Roquan Smith on every single play and Bilal Nichols, then it's really hard to get a gauge of where you're at. But today I would say between Borum and Wilkinson, I mean, they really struggled against that Miami Dolphins front. And when you look at that Miami Dolphins front, especially that front four, it's not a front four that is overwhelming by any means. You know, it's just, I mean, they have Christian Wilkins, who's a really solid player. They added outside linebacker Jalen Phillips this offseason via the draft, who a lot of people believe was the best pass rusher in this NFL draft. But ultimately, it's not that daunting of a Miami Dolphins front seven. And so when you're having issues like that, it just speaks to the point that, look, Borum and Wilkinson are not necessarily where they need to be. And the reason that every single year for Bears camp, we see a number of different offensive line com combinations is simply because what tends to happen is Ryan Pace wants versatility in his offensive linemen. When you look at it, I mean, they drafted Cody White here in 2016. And what was the motive behind that? Well, you were getting a player that had experienced playing at both left guard and center. James Daniels, another second-round lineman that they drafted. Well, what is it with Daniels? Those Iowa guys can play left guard, right guard, or center. And then you bring in a player like Borum, who can play both right guard and right tackle, like I mentioned a moment ago. And then Tevin Jenkins, another player, as I drop my pen on the floor. Tevin Jenkins is another guy that has... um you know, played, like I mentioned earlier, a couple spots on the offensive line. And then it's the same thing with Wilkinson. I mean, Wilkinson at points in his career has been nothing more than a backup and a swing tackle. And the reason that they're giving him a go at left tackle right now is because he is one of the more experienced guys in this room after players like Cody Whitehair and Jermaine Ifedi. That's a great point because you can also add Alex Bars to that list who basically plays every position on the offensive line. And you can also add a Fetty to that list who is traditionally, I mean, he played all over the place in Seattle and it looks like they finally found him a home here. You know, he played fairly well down the stretch at right tackle for the bears. But again, you know, Chris, this is kind of what I alluded to in recent weeks where I said, Ryan Pace gets called his pants down. It's just like, they don't have a single guy with like, traditional experience at left tackle and that's what i think worries me the most in this offensive line is they have a lot of guys who played other positions but they don't have a true left tackle here and they're trying to they're trying to make one out of what they have which is just to me it's a little bit scary um especially with a young qb i mean Go that's ahead. exactly that's exactly what we've seen from pace i mean and, and is it scary Sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's not a, you know, Trent Williams out there. Uh, there's not even a Morgan Moses, which we tried. And I'm not sure if he turned us down because 
we told him he'd have a shot at left tackle and he said, I want to play right. Or if he just flat out said, I want to play right, regardless of what your plan is for me. Uh, so yeah, I get that it's, it's, it's unnerving and scary and, you know, maybe you hold on to Leno a little bit longer. I don't know what the timeline was or what the cap situation exactly was when they cut him. And if they could have, you know, kind of helped or had kept him as an insurance policy and just made, you know, the June 1st cut or whatever, after we figured out if Jenkins was ready or not, you know, yeah, that might've been a better plan. Uh, but here we are, you know, and, and like, just, you know, who said, said, and everybody else, they're probably not going to bring in another tackle. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, you know, hopefully we get some clarity on the Tevin Jenkins situation soon. I mean, I, I think after the first preseason game, like if he's not practicing this week, the Bears need to make a decision. They need to say, hey, if he doesn't, let's be real, if he doesn't practice at all this week and he misses another week and there's only three weeks before the season after this, is he really, do you feel comfortable trotting? Like the Rams are going to put Aaron Donald on him immediately. Do you feel comfortable with that week one with a limited camp for Tevin Jenkins playing left no. tackle? No, I've seen I've seen some scary timelines from them, too. And that Matt Nagy presser where he didn't put any confidence well, in anybody well, well, uh, was, was concerning. We, we talked about how the Bears don't shed clarity on anything. This was the probably the most clarity the Bears have ever shed on an injury, and it wasn't good. And now people are freaking out. It's just like, like they weren't freaking out before. Gonna, well, well, right, but I'm just saying, like, if he's being this honest about it, like, it's it's definitely a weird, weird time, weird things to hear for Bears fans. But yeah, I I don't know if Ryan Pace has a choice. Like, he has to sign someone. I think there's no way you can trot out there with like Wilkinson or like even Simmons playing like left tackle. That is terrifying. Even if Andy Dalton is the quarterback, like, I'm scared for him. Like, they're gonna put Aaron Donald on whoever is playing that. you know open gap at left tackle it's it's not good it is not good especially for like the run game that's supposed to be improved this year i'm just i'm not confident in it. and there's a lot of things that i like i love about this bears team and i think they're going to be competitive and surprise some people but man they got to figure this out and they got to figure it out fast luckily there are a few vets on the market my big thing about rick wagner is you say do you remember when ryan pace really wanted to sign him and he ended up signing with detroit Ryan Pace yeah. has this tendency to sign guys he likes, which makes me think that might be a guy he would bring in. So I don't know if you guys saw this. And again, you know, I didn't want to set off a firestorm on Twitter, but a fan account and a prominent YouTuber who's a good friend of mine, by the way, you know, he kind of tweeted saying that he knew someone whose dad worked on the medical side of things for the bears that said that the bears were running a physical on Rick Wagner and that the deal was pretty much in place. But then the same YouTuber kind of took a step back. And when I challenged and questioned him, like, you know, pretty much was just like, Oh yeah, I'm not entirely sure if this is going to get done. I don't know how true this info is. And at that point I was just like, dude, look, I'm going to bring it to you from a journalist perspective. You don't have a real source. It's all just BS to me. Okay. Now, Rick Wagner would certainly be an interesting addition because he would add that veteran experience. But then also, I mean, you know, when you're talking about that left tackle spot, we have to keep one thing. Yeah, he's in a right mind. tackle as well. Exactly. And, and, and right that's, tackle. 
and 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 you know that that's the that's the major thing right is that rick wagner is he he actually played right tackle for both green bay as well as detroit and so it's one of those things where it's just like you need to get out there and you need to find a true left tackle you can't just quit you know flipping guys left and right now regarding tevin jenkins i mean you could throw him out there with limited practice time but then again you know you get to play it safe here i think what you need to do is this you have to take what i like to call the james daniels approach because remember james daniels didn't start until like the middle part of his rookie season and i think he started like eight or nine games that year and so i think what has to happen for tevin is get him the reps he needs in training camp and then kind of in the season watch him you know make sure that he watches from the sideline he kind of get gets a chance to see what's going on and then you put him in there mid-season you know like a week seven or a week eight for example or even after the bye week would be something i'm totally fine with so at least he has some experience and has some reps because right now for tevin it, no one's questioning the physical the physicality of his game and the mean streak that he brings right everyone's more so questioning the mental side of his game right um so let's just – I just want to transition into something here. So the Bears came out with their first unofficial depth chart, which, you know, it's it's unofficial. It's the – you know, we're going into the first week of the preseason. No big deal. But there were a few things on there, you know, that were really encouraging signs for the Bears. One of them being, you know, Travis Gibson was obviously – he was ahead of James Walters, and it sounds like he's having a really good camp. Um, it looked like Kendall Vildor was slotted in there as CB2 over Desmond Trufant who was actually hurt again, um, which was a big thing when the Bears signed him. We're like, can this dude stay healthy? Another soft tissue injury for him. But Vildor, who sounds like he's been shown out, is up there. Um, Duke Shelley's pretty high on the depth chart there. Um, and then obviously, you know, some of these uh, little name wide receivers who sounds like are they're popping off with Justin Fields. You got John Bay Johnson, who had two really nice catches today, apparently, and on plays from Justin Fields and Chris Lacey. Um, both ahead of Javon Wims. Um, you say, what can we make oh, out of this? I mean, are these, to me, it's like pretty encouraging to see Wims buried on the depth chart behind these guys. Um, and then just Vildor CB2 is nice and Gibson showing promise as a pass rusher. I mean, what can you make about those, you know, those three positions there? Yeah, I mean, when you look at a lot of these positions, right, I would definitely say when it comes to wide receiver, and I kind of had a bit of an early read on this stuff because when Marquise Goodwin's up there and during those press conferences and he's talking about how, hey, I've been catching a lot more passes from Andy Dalton than Justin Fields, then you know that the guy who's wearing number 84 at practice is getting first team reps and is going to be slotted in as wide receiver three. I mean, I'm not surprised that Javon Wims is where as buried as he is on the depth chart because, see, I used to talk to uh, Bears – the current Bears wide receiver coach Mike Fury in the DMs all the time on Twitter before Mike ultimately deactivated his account because I'm pretty sure the team told him to. And so, mm -hmm. you know, one and this was probably publicly leaked too, by the way. I mean, Mike pretty much told Javon Wims that he's lucky to be here after the whole like fight against the Saints in the wild card went down, and Wims was kind of labeled as one of the primary instigators. But it's good to see. And then, you know, you talk about the tight end room. I mean, Jesse James coming on very strongly he's been he's he's ultimately let me say this right jesse james is a player a lot of people are just like oh the bears are just bringing him in as another camp body look he had a solid couple years of production in pittsburgh and he's quickly becoming justin field's best friend chris actually pointed him out before we signed him 
I will give Chris credit for that. He did say we need another tight end, and we were talking about, you know, Jake Butt possibly making the roster, and he's like, what about Jesse James? And lo and behold, a week later, we signed a dude, and Justin Justin Fields loves him, man. Yeah, the outlaw, bro, the outlaw. The outlaw, bro. Yeah, Jesse James. Yeah, Jesse was a player that I had my eye on. Sorry, I'm, like, also breaking news here on twitter for something as well but um you know jesse was a guy that i also had my eye on too right because i was just like why the hell is jimmy ram still here you know if you're gonna want that big physical red zone target then sign the guy who's essentially like seven or eight years younger um and then also you know jp holtz is another solid player who sucks as a receiver by the way but um the bears used him as a uh, fullback you know throughout some of those training camp practices to pave the way for david montgomery i mean in terms of the running back depth, let me tell you guys this much right Tariq cohen still has a brace on his right knee so he's not any closer to returning and then you have uh what's his name um damien williams is looking really good i was a bit skeptical of damien williams because i felt like what it was with damien essentially was that you're talking about a running back that's going into what his seventh or eighth season in the league and then he was also out in 2020 and then compounding the fact that he is a running back that makes things so much more significant because you're like okay after being out of football but going into his eighth season i mean how good is he really you know and 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 so damien's looked really good i think that he kind of should push players like ryan Nall off this roster i mean we talked about the mess that the offensive line is on the defensive side of the ball i find it interesting how they didn't even list eddie goldman on the depth chart at all kairos tonga's really impressed me the rookie seventh round pick and then this uh then this um cornerback room you know kendall vilder i think is having a really strong camp desmond trufant was out the last couple days with injuries and kendall stepped it up and and bears fans don't realize how because cornerback's a premium position in what is a pass happy league right so bears fans simply do not realize the impact it would have moving forward if we have two young cornerbacks on the roster through the end of the 2023 season that are on rookie deals. Cause now yeah. next off season, we're not going to have to spend draft capital on, um, on a, uh, on a cornerback, you know, we're not, we might not even have to go fishing for a, uh, cornerback via free agency and by the way two quick side notes here when you know you have an issue at cornerback when your two most experienced players are at the position are desmond trufant and Artie burns but then also sean decides really praised kendall wilder this offseason and kind of talked about how um kendall is someone that is you know showed last season despite starting just one game but playing in all 16 games with a limited snap count that kendall's a player that can play uh, at a really high level and that yeah Kendall has a lot to prove but Kendall's already shown that he can be a solid a really solid starting cornerback awesome um tell us a little bit I you know I saw you talk a little bit about the nickel corner spot as well uh, a lot of good young guys competing for that spot uh most people, you know, assumed it would be p- possibly Vildor with Trufon on the outside. If that happened, now it looks like Vildor might be leaning towards that second cornerback spot. Uh, so people kind of jumped to Duke Shelley, uh, which was, you know, an easy leap. Uh, but you mentioned Xavier Crawford, who I don't know much about and would love to hear your take on him and that nickel corner spot, which is essentially, you know, a starting spot on this defense under Desai. 
Yeah, you know, so Xavier Crawford certainly interesting because he's been on the and you know a lot of Bears fans don't necessarily realize this, but he's been on the roster for um the last two seasons. Now he spent some time in Miami as well as Houston, and Xavier is really one of those guys that kind of you know he's like I said he's kind of been stashed away on the practice squad, and the Bears kind of uh you know have been doing the same thing with him where it's like practice squad then active roster practice squad then active roster but i think that um he essentially has gone ahead and he's been in a situation where it's just like okay he's shown out in camp and one of the big things that stuck out to me about not just xavier crawford but a lot of this young cornerback room is these guys are here they're hungry and they're certainly taking advantage of the opportunity because a lot of them acknowledge damn you know what if i'm gonna make a name for myself in the nfl then i have a golden opportunity to go ahead and do so compared to like another team where Xavier Crawford were almost being afterthought. But when you look at Crawford, right, essentially what you're seeing is a um, cornerback who's, I think, 5'11", about 190 pounds. He really brings, you know, a lot of length. So he has those long arms, which, quite frankly, we're seeing teams more and more now just continue to covet, especially considering the fact that, um, you know, the NFL has become such a pass-happy league. Say, so tell us about uh, flipping back to the offensive side of the ball. How, tell us about uh, uh, Allen Robinson. Has he been work, working out of the slot uh, in, in this early part of camp? And uh, if so, has he been pretty effective doing that? Yeah, he has been working. So, so Allen Robinson is weird because traditionally he's just been on the outside, but like the Bears have kind of put him on the inside too, and they've placed him pretty much all over the field. What it does is this: is it kind of gives you well, number one, you're creating more opportunities for Allen Robinson by moving him all over the place because you are going to create certain mismatches, and he's operated really well out of there. And you know, for a Rob, I mean, one of the major things that he kind of admitted himself that he's trying to focus on is just the route running you know how to become essentially a much better route runner and you know a rob look this is gonna sound really damn generic but he's still the best player on the offense going into 2021 i don't care what anyone says i mean the fact that he put up like what 100 plus receptions the last two seasons with pretty much garbage quarterback play for two straight games you know what and now if he does get more consistent quarterback play i think we're really going to see a career year for a rob but seeing a rob in the slot is just more so about maximizing the talent that's there that is going to be an individual talent maximizing that talent to benefit the rest of the bears offense is what a rob in the slot really is and by the way when you look at teams around the league i mean this is a trend that we're seeing more and more where they're willing to move that wide receiver one around all over the place in order to give the team the best possible chance of winning. Yeah, you see it with Adams up in Green Bay all the time. You know, you saw it with Dez back in the day, and it's a great move with the wide receiver one. Yeah, Do you it, think – now, let me ask you this really quick. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um do you think like more you, you alluded to this? Do you think more consistent QB play and like the possible emergence of Justin Fields could possibly fix this fractured relationship Arab has with the front office? Like, do you think it's possible that Justin Fields could sway his opinion and be like, hey, I want to resign with the Bears? They have a really good quarterback. Yeah, I think it is going to, because if you're Allen Robinson, you know, 
what um you, you're you're looking at all this and one of the big things that you're going to say is hey i want to get paid but then at the end of the day for where i'm at in my career i'm still in the prime of my career right and so <laughs> the reality of the situation is that do i want to go to a place where i'm going to secure the bag but then not necessarily have a chance of winning or am i willing to spend the last couple of years of my prime in a place where i know they have a player that quite frankly has all the potential in the world to develop into one of the elite elite nfl quarterbacks and i'm talking and i don't use the word elite lightly when it comes to quarterbacks i mean i'm saying a player that is top three or top five at his position justin Fields certainly has that sort of caliber right and and so if you're allen and you're looking at this and then you're also looking the defensive side of the wall knowing that it's pretty solid still and that there's enough talent to work with to where this could be a championship level team you're looking at justin could technically you're right luke be the key i think to keeping a rob in chicago because when you look at the market next year there's going to be players yeah but then or i'm sorry there's going to be teams that need wide receivers and there's going to be players that want to get paid but at the same time you know that some team's going to come in and low ball a rob and he's just going to close the door on it but with the bears cap space taking a significant jump next year i think they're going to be right around 40 million and that's not even counting robert quinn who should be a uh, post june first cut in 2022 by the way and then danny trevathan's contract should technically void in 2023 as well the point is is there's going to be a lot of money left over for the bears to make a a lot of moves but you know a rob making 20 million a year is definitely worth it because what you have to do is this right is you have to surround your quarterback with the best talent possible and as much as i love darnell mooney let's just be honest about something you can't roll into 2022 with only darnell mooney as your primary pass catching option i mean we look at a lot of these wide receiver rooms around the league you look at the powerhouses they consistently add to one positional group and make it stronger and stronger and stronger the bucks just did it this past season they had mike evans and chris godwin scotty miller too what they do well midseason they sign antonio brown and antonio we know what he was at his peak but he was still a really solid wide receiver four or five for them. And that's just, he signed the deal that he did because he was trying to get back into the league and at least make some money instead of being involved in like every single storyline out there. But the point is, is that, you know, the Bears need to understand that retaining A-Rob is the top priority. And if anything, Justin's play in 2021 is going to be the key to keeping A-Rob around for at least five to six years. All right, well, that, that brings to us a perfect place to uh, pivot to this topic. Gun to your head, you, you said, if you only had uh, the money to, to sign Roquan Smith or Allen Robinson to an extension, which way are you going? So for me, right, I'm personally as crazy as it sounds, right? And I know I just talked about how the Bears need to go ahead and bring back um, Allen Robinson. But I also think if I were in that situation, I would definitely go with Roquan Smith. And the reason being is simple is because you need to have that presence in the um, in the middle of your defense for your entire defense to essentially be able to gel. I'm not saying A-Rob's bad by any means, but hey, I can tell you guys one thing right now. Watching Justin with some of these third, fourth string guys, he's definitely elevating the players around them or the wide receivers around him and um, making those guys look better than what they are. And that's what transcending quarterbacks do. So with Justin, you could give him, you know, a little bit to work with, but he's going to make the most out of that a little bit, you know? So I would honestly lean Roquan Smith that way. 
Do you think there's enough to sign both of them? I know Luke has brought it up in the past that the Bears have about 39 upcoming free agents next year. Um, and with the amount of money we're seeing thrown around in the NFL, it feels like there's a massive cap jump coming, not just because of you know the amount of contracts that are expiring with the Bears, but across the league uh, and the new TV deal, you know that was signed. I feel like there's just a an explosion of cap money coming, and that twenty million for both these guys might end up being a bargain. Yeah, I think you know there is. So first off, we have to keep in mind is that when you talk about. 39 free agents you know that's right around the rough number but we also have to understand is that i anticipate that number going down simply because the bears are going to let some guys go they're going to let some you know they're going to bring some guys back but also a lot of those players are also players that are on those relatively cheaper deals that basically make pennies against the um cap all right now i do think that yeah the bears could theoretically get roquan smith as well as Allen robinson they could retain both and they could have a significant amount of money left over and the good thing about all this young talent that's making basically pennies is that it's a lot of young unproven talent right so a guy like an alex bars for example or a guy like a sam mustafer uh you know is not necessarily in line for a um, major payday, right? So what you're going to do is this naturally is you're going to let these guys, you know, go out there and perform, and then you're going to bring them back on these really, really cheap deals. Now, a lot of the Bears' money, right, is invested into these core players like Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson, um, you know, I'd even throw Tariq Cohen in there. Darnell Mooney's another one. That's where a lot of the money is invested. But ultimately, when you look at this, right, um, Definitely, there's going to be a lot of cap. There's going to be more cap space with stadiums being full. And I'm going to say this right now. I mean, I anticipate every single Bears home game being sold out in 2021 because and a significant and Bears fans taking over road games too to bring in additional revenue for the team because like this fan base is going to travel wherever they need to to see Justin Fields play. Definitely. I think Justin's bringing that level of excitement and the bears always travel. Well, I think we'll end up taking over uh, the new Ram stadium uh, right out the gate. As long as, you know, COVID doesn't prevent any further uh, issues there, Joe, I believe you had a, a comment on the former QB one that you wanted to bring up since he's not bringing that level of excitement to Chicago this year. Okay. So, all right. So for the bears fans who didn't see it, and if you didn't, you know, good for you, but if you, the bears fans who didn't see it, uh, our man, Mitchell Trubisky, one of us at the podium for the Buffalo bills. And you showed, you know, talking about this and then the other being the backup quarterback, whoop to do good for you. Uh, he, so he's up there. Uh, one of his comments is like, oh, it's uh, nice to be in a place that wants me and, wa- and, and is invested in me being a better person and a better player. Uh, so, uh, you know, <clears throat> Luke, you, you've been with me. You know, we, we, we've been buddies for a while, pretty much the whole Mitchell Trubisky era. era. And L- Luke might accuse me of being uh, so in, in that category a truther. Uh, a big time Trubisky truther. And, 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 you know, uh, while I think that might be a little bit strong, uh, I always held out hope for the man. 
Uh, and Mitchell, Mitchell, what are you talking about? It's nice to be in a place that wants me. It's nice to be in a place that cares about my Dude, you got so many chances, so long a leash, so many opportunities to prove that you can be the man, that you are the the, the QB1, uh, you, you know, the top dog in a big city. Uh, gosh, so you know, 2017. You know, we can kind of give you a pass. You know, rookie, b- b- bunch of bunch of you know, m- bunch of mistakes, shitty, shitty roster. You know, 2018, you, you, you win the division. Like, great. You know, amazing. Uh, but you know, average play. We're ready. We're ready for that jump. And, and you know, it never came. But we were so patient with you, Joe. What is uh, what is on your pajamas right now? Shit is what it is. It's 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 uh it's shit wearing uh wearing a Christmas hat, and that's how I feel about Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, what I, you did to my feelings and my support, my number ten jersey that's hanging in the closet. You shit all over it. The signed photo that I have. Oh my god! Like, like what what what? Like, Mitch, it's nice to be in a place that wants me. We wanted you. We wanted you to be good. We wanted you to to, to succeed. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the thing, oh, and cutting down his offense, but making his offense, you know, oh, we're gonna roll out, we're gonna, we're gonna cater it to his needs, you know, we wanted you to be good. I mean, this is the thing too. Like McDermott followed that up today by saying, like, it's nice to see Mitch out there smiling in a place where he feels like he belongs. Blah blah blah. I'm just like. What is he smiling at? Holding Josh Allen's clipboard? Like, what? Are you freaking thrilled that you're making his Gatorade, dude? Like, shut the hell up, dude. If you were going to succeed in any place in the NFL, like, Chicago would have built a freaking statue of you if you even went to the NFC Championship game. Like, you had every chance to succeed, and you blew it. Like, you're just not – that. you weren't good enough to do it, plain and simple. That's it. That's fine, and you could have left peacefully – but you have just waged war against one of the pettiest, most hungry fan bases of the NFL, and I can tell you it's going to be a shitstorm from here on out because you I just hope you waged... come back and play in Soldier Field. Dude. Oh, my God. I, I, to... I said a comment today. I, if I was at the game, I would throw a damn helmet at the dude. Like, what are you doing, you idiot? Like, oh, I didn't feel appreciated. Like, dude, you had every chance to freaking succeed. Every single every chance. Every freaking game. Maybe and there's still people is that reform, and they're like, "Oh, can't you forget about him?" Yeah, we could have if he didn't run his mouth again. Like, shut up, dude. We're over you. Get lost. So let me. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, so I'll say one thing regarding the wanted thing. Right, going into that draft. A lot of people wanted Deshaun Watson, and I think all of us would have been excited for that. Now, down the road, it might not have turned out so well. Obviously, you know, the goose that laid the golden egg was Pat Mahomes, and, you know, there were even some that wanted Deshaun Kaiser, and what a shit show that would have been. But, you know, Mitch was booed at that Bulls game. So from jump, you know, I think that's what he's going back to. And he is the mental midget Mitch who has to, you know, go all the way back to that Bulls game and cry about how he was, you know, disrespected or not wanted when he came in. And now he just sounds like a bitter ex-girlfriend that wants to cry about his former team. We turned the TVs off for you, Mitchell. Yeah, he was catered and coddled. That is like the same thing Donovan McNabb got in Philly. And Donovan McNabb still had a pretty damn good career. 
Like from day one, Philly fans did not like that dude. And he still he had great. a damn good career. He was phenomenal. Like, and they still say he wasn't that good. But like how many NFC championships did he go to? Like seriously. Four in a row or something is, like that. He that was ridiculously is, good. Dude, yep. They hated him from the jump though. It's like the same thing. Like it happens every now and then. And do you blame Bears fans for being like really the anger at that Bulls game and whatever anger was directed at Mitch was really directed at Ryan Pace. Like everyone knew Deshaun Watson was the home run pick that year. And right. you're right. It turned out to be Pat Mahomes, but like Deshaun Watson was safe. Like you knew he was going to be good. And I think that's Justin Fields is that this year, like you just have a feeling he's going to like, he's the guy this year. That's a safe pick. You know, he's his floor at the NFL level is going to be a solid QB. Uh, you, you know, say, for just take, Take this away. I'm just I, I gotta stop talking. It's making me mad. I'm not a, I'm not a jersey burner and I've laughed at all. I, I always think that's the stupidest thing I've seen on t- social media. What a waste of your hundred and twenty dollars or whatever it is, whatever it is to you know, buy a jersey, you know, one forty, you know, what what a waste of time and energy. But but like that made me fucking pissed off. Like I was wearing that number 10 jersey like Week after week after week after week after week after week, thinking this is gonna be the week. He finally the six touchdowns against Tampa Bay is gonna show itself again. Just get, um, look, I think, listen, that you know, and I tweeted this right, and then people came after me. I was just like, dude, they got let me actually go ahead and pull the entire thread up, right? So, so. I said this, right? And I was just like, this is pretty much what I said. I was just like, so our boy Raul Bennington, you know, was just like, the narrative that Chicago hated Trubisky is absolute trash. He was ass. And this city brought his jersey and spoke on him as the best QB in franchise history. He was trash and never amounted to his draft status finish. So I go, I reply with, and Bears fans added to the narrative by singing Trubisky's praises the moment he was drafted, convincing themselves he was the surefire answer. All right, because let's just be real. That's what a lot of this fan base said. And if you don't believe me, you're going to notice a lot of distinctions when you're on the journalism side of things, talking to these fans and seeing the comments that are made on social media compared to just like the general fan base. And so then one of the blogs replies with, as soon as he was drafted, I think your short-term memory might be going, Usaid. He was literally booed before taking a snap. Let's not even compare how fans have treated Fields versus Trubisky, talent aside or not. Now that set off a whole firestorm I didn't reply to, but my point is, right, is people did kind of talk themselves into Mitch being the surefire answer without really looking at a lot of the research and the facts and seeing that, you know what, this is one of those times where the national media actually won and was right. Because let's just be real. I mean, Bears fans have this freaking thing against the national media. Um, and sometimes the national media is right. Sometimes they're absolutely wrong. But the thing is, is just like when, you know, these major guys that have actually played football and scouted these guys you know, scouted players for a living and stuff and analyze these guys. When they're saying one of the big issues with Trubisky is that he was a one-year starter coming out of North Carolina, that's significant. Because Pat Mahomes started, like, I think two to three years. Deshaun Watson, I think, was a three-year starter as well at Clemson. And traditionally, quarterbacks in this league that tend to do the best are the ones that have started two to three years in college. Now, we have to keep something in. Another thing I'm going to add on is this, guys, is Mitch got to Chicago and there was definitely a hell of a lot of optimism the first two seasons. Going into year three, that first game of the season, I mean, 
I was at that Bears draft party, or I'm sorry, the Bears, um, you know, the opening, the whole like shindig thing that the NFL did for the 100th season. I was at that, you know, at Grant Park. And I'm going to tell you guys that morning, right? I woke up and a buddy of mine, you know, we went down, we walked down in the city and we were on the west side. So, um, you know, I went to Starbucks and it was around like 738 in the morning. And the only thing you see is just a sea of like blue, orange and white jerseys because that city, right? Chicago, the morning of that Bears Packers game in 2019, that Thursday, it felt like a city that you could tell something special was going to happen in the air. And it felt like there was a Super Bowl run that was going to, that was going to start that night. Now, obviously the bears freaking stunk it up, but you look at Mitch, man. I mean, you know, the guy faltered and he faltered hard. And what doesn't even piss me off. And I say this to this day is I'm not even mad that like the bears picked a quarterback. What I'm more so mad about is the fact that, you, you know, you give Ryan Pace credit for taking the swing, but you have to get more mad, not necessarily at Mitch, but at the front office for not doing what the hell was supposed to. And regarding the whole comment of turning the TVs off, there's two ways to spin it. One way you could say Mitch is being a freaking crybaby. All right. The other way you could spin it is that from Mitch's viewpoint, his whole thing was that it's not just the fact that they're talking bad about me because let's just be real when it comes to football right there's a culture that's created when things are going great who's getting all the credit the quarterback when things are going bad depending on who the quarterback is who's getting all the blame the quarterback is all right or sometimes you know people when things are going bad if it's like an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady or a Pat Mahomes they're gonna be like no it's not the quarterback but also from Mitch's viewpoint, his whole thing was, dude, these people are talking smack about our team. We don't need that type of negativity. Let's just focus on what we've got going on here inside the building. That's really what it was, you know. Um. So, so my point is, and I said this today, I'm like, dude, you need to forget about Mitch and move on. I mean, this is like the this Mitch Trubisky Bears relationship thing, it, or this Mitch Trubisky Bears saga. It's kind of like, and Chris alluded to this. This is like the freaking. Two people in your friend group that you knew were trending towards a breakup, but the two people decided to continuously force things anyway to try to make it work, which is what the Bears did last season. And then it didn't work out, and then they split off, and as a result, the entire friend group has just completely split up because no one wants to be around those two people anymore. That's essentially what it is, and those two people don't text each other anymore because they know nothing good's going to come from it. That's ultimately what it is. Mitch isn't here anymore, so you know what? Move on. I'll say this. If Mitch doesn't bust as hard as he does, you know what? As awkward as that sounds, pause. <laughs> Um, <laughs> i'm sorry but if mitch doesn't bust as hard as he does you know what you don't get justin fields in 2021 because even if he has an above average season i guarantee you he's your starting quarterback on september 12th against the rams yeah 100 agree who said we have to move on i mean i'm tired of talking about mitch i was tired of talking about mitch when he was on this fucking team but it's got it's got to be done and that's a great example about you know a friend group watching because now we have this you know division within the fan base where people are literally still talking about this dude when we have potentially you know a top three quarterback in the league tanner gentry and we have you know a, a a talent base on offense that you know we actually have some skill set players that might work out cole Komet. Uh, Darnell Mooney, you know, we've seen some better draft picks out of pace. It was frustrating to, you know, 
go back and watch him, you know, basically out think himself or try to get cute like like Nagy tries to do. It's almost like they're a, a mirror image of each other getting too cute, trying to outthink everybody and be smart, be the smartest guy in the room and be like, OK, I'm going to take this guy who projects really well, but has only started one year in, you know, the level right below the NFL. And it, it, it didn't work. Um, thank God that, you know, he's I think pace has grown a lot in, you know, the time that he's been here. Uh, he's, you know, had better picks, better first rounders and known to get rid of the first rounders for a Khalil Mack. So let's just wash ourselves of the number 10 jersey and all of the former QB one talk and just, you know, really pour all of our hate into Green Bay. Chris, you want to buy my Mitchell Trubisky jersey? I think you could sell it to his mom, or maybe Hillary will buy it. Oh, nice. <laughs> Side note, dude, Hillary, I swear to God, there was one year, um, the last year that they practiced in Bourbon A, right? I was actually, there was a special section that's always blocked off for, like, you know, media and fans and, like, you know, or, like, players, you know, like, family and stuff. I do not know how, but I ended up sitting, like, right behind Hillary, Cody Whitehair's wife, and then Charles Leno Jr.'s wife. And let me just say, of the three, Hillary clearly had the most goddamn annoying life of all three of them. I will never get that, like, annoying giggle out of my head. I can I can hear that without ever meeting that woman. I can just see it in her pictures that she would sound just hideous or horrible. Mm-hmm. Hideous is probably not the word, but, yeah, she, uh, she looks annoying. <laughs> <laughs> well uh we we did about an hour here i mean do you guys have any more questions we covered a lot tonight uh you know we went over camp said, are we gonna win are we gonna beat the beat the dolphins this, this coming saturday no oh, wait, hold, before while we talk about this we need to talk the bears are a great preseason bet like if you were degenerate enough to bet on the preseason the bears have three solid qbs let's be real here like you have justin fields and Nick Foles versus the threes. I like my chances there. Are we going to beat the Dolphins on Saturday? <laughs> no, we're not going to beat the Dolphins. That's my own personal opinion. What? And listen, the reason being is this is look, let's just call it how it is. I think what Brian Flores is going into year two or three down there, right? And, and yeah, it's year, year three in Miami, 2019, 2020, and now 2021. And Coach Flores is a very disciplined guy. He's a player that's going to hold his players accountable, hold them to a high standard. But he's also shown that he can be a player's coach, all right? The Dolphins are just flat out way better coached. And good coaching makes all the difference in the world compared to the Bears, who, by the way, Joe knows, Joe and Luke know that I do not like Matt Nagy at all because, like, again, we're going into year four with our offense offensive guru of a head coach and we still haven't figured out the quarterback position and our offense is still seemingly on level 101 you know i wouldn't even argue it's on 101 i mean if you know the way college courses are numbered you know that the 100 level classes is where it all starts (laughs) but then you have like 
a whole bunch of courses where the first digit is like a zero, which are basically remedial courses that like don't count against anything. And the Bears offense right now is at like it's not even at 101. It's at like zero zero one is what it's at. I'm not even lying to you guys. Which side note schematically, I technically can't get too much into this, but based on what I saw on Friday, right, it does appear the Bears are gonna be running a bit more of the Bill Laser offense. But again, that's just only practice, so they're not gonna show much. And also another side note, because Joe brought the Dolphins up. Um, you know, with practice being close to fans this week, and I don't have any read on this, by the way, but I think it'd be a pretty good time to get the eleventh overall pick some reps with the ones, knowing that there's absolutely no live tweeting allowed and there's no fans around to unofficially break the news on Twitter. So a couple things to keep an eye on over the next couple of days here. That'd yeah, be exciting to get him some reps with, with a Rob and Mooney um, Lucas. What, what were you going to say? I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, I, I was just going to say, I think the bear, I'm absolutely right. They're just trying to avoid the firestorm of the media being like, Oh, Justin Fields is taking reps with the ones. What does this mean? Blah, 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 blah. You know, this is, definitely the ideal time to do that but let's be real here the uh preseason game doesn't matter the bears could lose by a lot yes, and it, it won't matter uh, dude w- what i'm gonna get it, getting at is what really matters is you know the, these positional batters you know how is you know how are guys like Vil- vildor and shelly doing out there um how's this offensive line holding up we'll see it sounds like both offensive lines were absolutely terrible today so uh, I don't know if there's prop bets for this game. I mean, is there an over on a sack total? Uh, can we go into that? Do they get in that? And they, Chris, you're in Vegas right now. Do some legwork for me and let me know if there's a prop bet for sacks this game. If it's like six, I'm taking the over. If I'm Vegas, I'm not offering any amount of prop bets on any preseason game. Uh, the the note that that you said dropped about the schematics and uh you know that aligns kind of with what they did in the offseason with you know jenkins for all the issues that we have you can kind of tell that they want to go to a more physical uh run game and that kind of aligns with the laser you know outside zone schemes and inside zone schemes and Borum being athletic and a and a bully, uh, so that that's that's exciting to me. Um, I think that kind of offense, you know, fits Chicago, fits the whole you know bear football, cold weather, you know, run the ball, play defense kind of narrative. But you add in Justin Fields, who can you know is way more athletic than even Mitch, who is you know for all, everything bad he is, is very athletic quarterback is going to bring a whole new level to that bill laser type offense. And it's, it's exciting. That's, that's good to hear in all honesty. Chris, Are you excited about the game on Saturday? Are we going to win? Are we going to beat the dolphins on Saturday, Chris? We're going to beat the brakes off the dolphins, bro. See, Finally, that's my man. The Krogman man bringing the heat. The bears are going to take down the dolphins on Saturday. Lucas, come on. I got to get you on board. Bears are winning. It's going to be a uh, – we're going to do this during the season. We're going to give predictions for our games. I don't know how you can what, predict like a preseason game. Who say it's mad that we're even talking about a preseason win? Like, fuck no, this I shit. don't know. <laughs> See, no, for, for me, it's not necessarily talking about a preseason win. I just think for me, you know, preseason games, obviously, we know don't count, all right? <laughs> But I think more so for me, the reason I do tune into preseason is because let's be honest, I mean, this has been seen throughout the Ryan Pace era is that 
guys like Roy Roberts and Harris have been hidden gems that have emerged throughout the preseason. And, you know, you mm. guys mentioned the 39 free agents earlier. I mean, this is the time where you're going to really get to evaluate this team and see who are the players that are going to showcase just enough to be stashed away on the practice squad in order to have an opportunity to become to develop in 2021 and then have a shot at making the roster next offseason. Or I'm saying, sorry, I'm sorry, saying like going into 2022, who are those like younger guys? And so that's what really preseason is all about. But for me, I mean, one of the big things I'm going to be watching for is what is this Bears cornerback room going to do against guys like Jalen Waddle as well as Devontae Parker? I mean, Mac Hollins who went to UNC with Mitch Trubisky. These UNC guys seemingly always seem to hurt the Bears. I don't know what the hell it is, but, you know, what is a guy like Mac Hollins going to do against, you know, the Bears secondary? So really these, you know, joint practices the next couple of days, preseason overall for me, it's just a great time to evaluate the roster. Yeah, I'm excited to see some of those second and third string guys as well. Uh, the defense, how um, Desai, um, you know, plays defense. I know he's not going to show a lot, but he'll still show a little bit of that, you know, cover four and that shell stuff and how he's going to deploy his cornerbacks um, and the usage there. Plus, you know, the safety room, uh, I want to see how the tight ends shake out if, you know, Jesse James and and – and uh, Cole Clement and Jimmy Graham are are it, or can just Jesper Horstad and JP Holtz, you know, show out and beat beat out one of those guys. So I'm excited for the preseason. Lots to look forward to. Luke has something just grinding his teeth. Well, and he was talking earlier. I was just thinking like Ryan Null and Tanner Gentry just disagree with everything you just said because those dudes are freaking preseason Hall of Famers, and Ryan Pace just kicks them to the curb like they're absolutely nothing. Ryan Null has been here forever, bro. No, but well, it, Ryan Null, <laughs> Ryan Null, let me say this, right? He's not going to be making this roster simply because. Thankfully. Boom. Slow. Well, he shouldn't be making the roster because Khalil Herbert provides way more value, as does Damian Williams, you know? I mean, at best, you're better off giving Artavius Pierce the fourth roster spot for running backs because Artavius is actually a dual threat guy. You know, Ryan's just so, so limited. And we shouldn't be keeping players on this roster anymore because they provide value on special teams. You know, special teams, let's just be real. It's great and all. It can be the difference maker in a game. But Ryan, for a guy who's been on the roster for, what, three years in a row now, he should not be on the roster going into year four because he hasn't shown enough. That's just the reality. Well, well, to your point, I mean, what makes – this is kind of is contrary to your point, but what makes um, – I'm what, what is his name? The guy from Virginia? No. Khalil uh, Herbert. Khalil oh. Herbert. What makes Khalil Herbert so special, though, is that he's such a good kick returner, and that is gonna, that's a big void, obviously, left by Cordero Patterson from last year. So um, that'll be exciting. Picks? Dude, be quiet, Joe. I ain't talking to you. Who's the punt returner? That's what I'm wondering. And where's Daz Newsom? Yeah, so Daz is on the PUP list, so he hasn't even practiced, okay? But, yo, uh, two things here because you brought special teams up, right? One, I don't know why Darnell Mooney was back there um, on the kickoff return thing. I think it's an incredibly stupid idea considering what happened to Tariq Cohen last year. Uh, so, Chris Tabor, you need to get that out of your head. The only time Darnell Mooney should be on the field is when he is um, – you know, running routes and catching touchdown passes. That's the only time Darnell should be on the field. 
but also, yeah, your punt returner needs to be Khalil Herbert, okay? Because you're going to have that guy on a rookie contract for the next four seasons. And Khalil did average, I want to say, like 30 yards per return while at Virginia Tech. Which, by the way, I talked to people who covered Khalil at Virginia Tech. And one of the big things, and this was right after the draft, mind you. So one of the big things they talked to me about was just the fact that who he was as a player was really a big play threat type of guy that could provide a... um spark for the offense and then also daz newsome talking to people at north carolina who covered him um as well as mitch trubisky and what the certain person at north carolina told me was that some way somehow they don't know what the hell happened with mitch in chicago because mentally he was on fire and then as soon as he got to chicago i guess the pressure just like got to him but mitch apparently still has it mentally i don't it was the bulls game exactly that's what it was (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, on that note, while we're talking about Newsom, I just want to finish with I'm, I'm excited to see these wide receivers in the preseason game. Like we said, Wims is just about dead man walking at this point. Haven't heard much from Ridley. Um, I, you know, he's on the depth chart, but he's not, you know, he's not, seems like he's not getting like a ton of starting reps. Uh, I'm really interested to see who wins this last position. I mean, this is the, probably the fastest Bears team I've seen in a long time. And you hear guys, like I said, John V. Johnson and Chris Lacey. I'm excited to see those two in the preseason go at it. I think one of those two will end up being our last wide receiver. Um, both guys can burn, and it seems like Fields likes both of them. So I'm excited to see that connection work in the preseason. Um, but there is only one way we finish every single show. My guys up here know what it is, and we're going to see if you know the words, Sade. Do you know the words to the, uh, the Bears fight song? Isn't it Bear Down Chicago Bears like Hail to Victory or something? Here we go. Here we go. We're going to be sitting on Saturday, you said. So we might as well get used to it right here. So three, two, one. Bear Down Chicago, Chicago Bears. Make every play clear. All the way to victory. Bear Down Chicago Bears. Put up a fight with the might so fearlessly. We'll never forget the way you thrilled the day. With your team formation, Chicago Bears, let them know you're the world. You're the pride and joy of the Illinois Chicago Bears. Bear down. Best one yet. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.